This is the Bad Hops Podcast, a baseball podcast where we discuss everything but the box score. So, if you are looking for chit-chat about the barrel rate of Paul Goldschmidt's home runs, or the slugging percentage of Diamond Jim Gentile, this is not the place. But if you want to do deep dives on bling interference and infield scavenger hunts, welcome. We're your hosts. I'm Mark Butler. And I'm Jackie Micucci. And today we are going to talk about diamonds and other sparkles in baseball. Welcome. Bad hops. Well, Mark, you know, this topic is just an excuse for me to get you to talk about jewelry and to do research about jewelry, because I know that you are you're such a jewelry lover. I mean, you you all you always wear a lot of a lot of jewelry, a lot of bling. You know, you've got that giant diamond encrusted uh Figaro chain that you wear, just like your favorite ball players. You often see me in the parking lot of Shane Co. cutting deals with people out of the uh, the trunk of my car as well, because I, I know a guy who knows a guy. So oh, yeah. yeah, I'm all, I'm all about that bling. I yeah. am saving up. Hopefully, if the podcast does well enough, I'm going to invest in an ice grill and, and just be frosty. And just one hundred percent. Are grills still a thing? Are they still in? They they will be when I bring them back. They, I mean, I can see them coming back. They're very 90s and, you know, half of the fashion is already back in style. So it's only a matter of time. Yeah. If you want to represent 90s hip hop, I think you got to also represent the ice grill. It just seems fair. It does seem fair. So that's why you wanted to talk about jewelry. But I wanted to find out you established a rule and I want to know what what you were thinking you said we can't talk about the best known jewelry in baseball which is a world series ring you know I I initially said that but I'm I'm going to talk about world series rings I was going to stay away from it because it's a topic that I thought might deserve its own deep dive but you know I I have some thoughts I have some thoughts I there was some trends that I've noticed that might mirror some of the trends that are going on with our favorite current players and what they're wearing on the field. So I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm putting it back on the table. It's back on the okay. table. Okay. Well, good. Because I'm going to talk about world series rings too. Good. So rules broken. That's what we're all about here. I want to start off by telling you about a dark day in baseball or maybe a day that was a little too bright. I don't know. It really depends on whose side you're on. The day was August 25th, 2001. It was a sunny day at Safeco Field in Seattle, which should already make you a little bit dubious about this story. It's a classic situation. Tie game, Cleveland 2, Mariners 2, top of the ninth. When suddenly, this is a quote from a player, it was blinding. It was like the headlight of a train coming at me. And of course, at Safeco Field, it could have actually been a train, and that would have been pretty darn exciting. But that quote came from Omar Vizcayal, the famous infielder from Cleveland in the early 2000s. He was leading off the ninth for Cleveland. He refused to step into the batter's box. Well, what was it? What was he complaining about? This headlight of a train coming at him. Rare sunlight bouncing off the batter's eye, which had yet to be tree-lined at Safeco. A laser pointer from the stands. An actual train derailing outside the left field fence. Nope. It was two diamond stud earrings worn by Mariners reliever Arthur Rhodes. As Rhodes warmed up, the five foot nine shortstop complained to the plate umpire that he was being distracted by the sun reflecting off the pitcher's diamond stud earrings. 
Rhodes, perhaps unsurprisingly, freaked out when approached by the umpire. I told the umpire I've been wearing them the whole year. Why should I take them out now? I will also just point out this was the year that the Mariners were relatively unstoppable. Uh, they went on to win 116 games tied for the most single season wins of any team. So clearly Cleveland was looking for anything they could do to undo the Mariners. They were just jealous. Omar uh, was just jealous. That that That's what that was all about. I, I, I do think that there was a little bit of bitterness about the style of Arthur Rhodes. Rhodes continued to beef at the umpire and at Vizcayel, but finally agreed to take one earring out. That's, that is the wisdom of Solomon right there. Now, do we know if it was the left or right earring? Because isn't there there's supposed to be symbolism or, or there used to be symbolism behind it? In, in 2001, there, there probably was still symbolism there, but I, I, that is lost to time or lost to YouTube if I want to go back and rewatch this game. We'll do a follow-up episode just, just to, to check in on that. Have a watch party. Rhodes also decided to take his frustration out as, as well as taking out an earring by pointing at Vizcayel's head. I guess if Vizcayel wants to point at Arthur Rhodes's ear, why not point at the other guy's head? It's entirely possible he was suggesting some fancy earrings for the diminutive shortstop, but I digress. Here's what Rhodes said later. I'm not going to let a guy who weighs 125 pounds tell me to take my earring out. <laughs> what a manly statement that is. <laughs> I, I now kind of wish that uh, maybe he had just picked up over this Kyle and thrown him over the, over the fence. <laughs> now, obviously we know what Omar was up to. He was, he was trying to win the, the situation however he could, but can you wear jewelry on the field? That is something I didn't automatically know the answer to. It, it's obviously tolerated today because we're mm -hmm. seeing more and more bling. And I know you're going to be talking about players of a more recent vintage a little bit later on. But MLB's rule 1.11, because I love looking up rules. That's the rule that deals with uniforms. It includes a clarification that says a pitcher's person cannot include any unessential or distracting thing. I love, I love that is an actual quote, an unessential or distracting thing, much like the bad hops podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. So that includes jewelry, adhesive tape or batting glove, especially on his arm, wrist, hand or fingers. Wait, you can't wear a bat a batting glove on your if you're a pitcher. If you're a pitcher, okay, that yeah. makes sense. I'm sorry, I, so, I, I, yeah. So, okay, fair. Is it is it possible you don't know what Rule One Point One One says? I don't. I I I only got up to Rule Ninety Nine and then I stopped. So, in the true wisdom of MLB rulebook, they seem to maintain an unwritten policy that jewelry on a pitcher is okay unless a, the batter makes a specific complaint. So it's okay, unless it's not okay. Uh, and I feel like anytime we see a rules challenge on a game, especially a playoffs game, we see exactly that interpretation. It's like, oh, no, no, it's totally fine, except in this instance, in the, except in this particular instance. Arthur Rhodes is on the mound, beefing it at Omar or pointing at his head. I think me message received. Pointing down at his head. Point absolutely. Even without the advantage of the height of the mound. So of course the pointy finger gets Rhodes the heave ho, and he exited the game without throwing a single pitch. 
Well, remember it was two two in the top of the ninth. The Mariners do end up winning the game four to three, but in extra innings, but mostly because of solid but non sparkly pitching from John Halama. It's interesting that Omar Vizcayal could have changed history if he had managed to mess with Arthur Rhodes enough that if Cleveland had won the game, and I'm resisting using the name of the Cleveland team because they're in transition right now. If Cleveland had come out on top in that game, the Mariners would have only won 115 games that season and then would have been denied the, the record. It is fascinating that one little diamond stud earring could have that big of an impact on a season. It's amazing what diamond earrings, the the controversy that they bring, the the angst that they bring. They they seem to to uh create all sorts of havoc depending on the player. Yeah, and I know you've been looking at an instance where it wasn't the umpire that caused the earring or piece of jewelry to have to come out. You you found some other jewels on the diamond. Yes, I have. Yes, I, I hope have. you found them, and and so well, so do the players involved. Well, I, I don't know if, if if they were found, but I think back to there was a an incident involving our boy Manny Ramirez. I mean, Manny Ramirez is just a, a wealth of of stories. We need more Mannies back in baseball <laughs> because you could always count on several stories throughout the season involving Manny Ramirez. He was quite the character. But this happened in the summer of two thousand two when. Manny was on a rehab assignment in Syracuse with the Pawtucket Red Sox. He had, forget what his injury was, but he was, he was there, he was in a game. And I'm going to read a little bit uh, from the story that ran in the Post Standard on June 19th, 2002. It's Donnie Webb's account of that night. I'll read some of it because some of it is kind of entertaining before we get to the, the heart of the matter. Manny was apparently a little late getting to the PNC Stadium to join the AAA Pawtucket as part of his extended rehab. The team had traveled from Rhode Island by bus. Manny traveled by airplane because he's Manny Ramirez, so he wasn't getting on the bus. Um, The Pawtucket Red Sox arrived before Manny, even though he flew, so who knows. And Manny apologized. He said, I missed the bus. He told everyone, you know, he's joking around. Later on, when he went into the clubhouse, he was looking over the food spread and he immediately said, what? No sushi? And we know how much Manny likes sushi, his playing time in Japan. But all the players were, yeah, everybody was like, oh, oh my God, oh my God. But he he was like, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You know, I'm Manny being Manny. But joking around and being his big personality in the clubhouse aside, that's not what this night was really known for. So apparently Ramirez, he was over two. He got on base thanks to an error and he was thrown out at third base following a head first slide. He was, so he was trying to advance somewhere along the line. Ramirez notices that he's lost one of his diamond earrings. What happens is they stop the play. They stopped playing the game to look for Manny's earring. He either lost it on the base pass or in one of the sliding pits. They weren't really sure. So they started looking around. They looked through the artificial turf between every inning. They eventually found the clasp that holds on to the stone, but they didn't actually find the stone. So mm-hmm. somewhere, so I don't know if, you know, someone kind of, he decided to pocket it in between innings when no one was paying attention. 
but they never found the diamond and the diamond was worth $15,000. So I am hoping some minor leaguer found it and just was able to like pay off his bills for the entire year by cashing in on Manny's diamond. Cause I feel like, you know what, that's almost, that's like a, that's a little gift that you get. No, I think that's, that's half your salary as a minor league player. For sure. But I love that, that they, they actually, they stopped play and then they were searching for it in between innings. Like this was the big thing. And I remember them talking about this incident during a game. Some of the announcers were like, oh, could you imagine, you know, back in the day, if like it was Mickey Mantle or Ted Williams, oh, they, you know, like not manly to be wearing jewelry. But we're going to talk about this later. I feel like, I feel like if it was okay to wear jewelry back when some of these guys played, I bet you they would have worn some interesting pieces of jewelry. I'm excited to learn more about that. I'm just wondering if, if anybody had seen Omar Vizcayal that night in Pawtucket, if he had maybe dropped by for a, a little looky-loo and noticed a, a diamond earring a for the taking. diamond. <laughs> but so diamond earrings, they're, they're problematic. I don't really notice a lot of earrings on baseball players. So I'm going to be honest with you. It's really the chains that I, the, that tend to stand out and they definitely dress to show off back in the day they used to hide them they used to put them in their shirts now i feel like it's just it's all out there it's all yeah, out there. It, 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 there are a, a few guys out there that look like they've got hula hoops going on because when they're running those chains are out of their shirt the chains are huge and they they do start to rotate around just a little bit i'm gonna i I'm not going to claim that it's 360 degrees, although that would be awesome to actually see somebody like have like a rings of Saturn going around going their around. neck while, while stealing second base. Well, it's probably going to be Ronald Acuna Jr. because he wears some of the biggest and heaviest chains that I've seen on a player. I don't know how he does it. I mean, at some point he's going to get one caught on something and it's just going to. I mean, I don't know. They're probably so thick and strong. Maybe, you know, maybe he'll hurt himself as opposed to it breaking. I would love to see Acuna get healthy and come back strong next year, but I'd kind of like to see what his cast looks like right now. <laughs> because it's probably the most blinged out cast that you've ever seen. Do you think it's encrusted in diamonds? I hope so. Or or iced, as uh, yes. as the kids say? It's, it, it's not going to be no, no diamel, that's for sure. Well, speaking of ice... What else you got? I think you uh, you hinted that you were going to break the rule, and I forgot I was going to break the rule, and I better come back in with my rule breaking after you. Well, I decided I would talk a little bit about, about World Series rings because I have noticed a trend, and the trend is pretty much mirroring what's going on with the guys on the field. I mean, the guys on the field, they're not, I mean, they're wearing like big, heavy gold chains that are usually you know, encrusted in diamonds a lot of the time. So these are these are expensive looking pieces of jewelry. And the World Series rings are starting to reflect this aesthetic, right? This aesthetic of having as much on it as humanly possible. I decided I would look and see when baseball started handing out rings for World Series champions. Wow. So I did a little did a little look, was on the Baseball Hall of Fame website. There are some sites that you could go on, and you can look at every ring that's been handed out since they started playing the World okay. Series. Ooh, is this going to be like one of these quizzes that I always fail no. at? You're gonna no, I'm that. not going to give you a quiz. I'm not going to give you a okay. quiz. This is just a little, just, just a little kind of thing that I've, I've noticed. So initially, 
they would hand out either lapel pins, pocket watches, <laughs> or fobs. So there's wow. some really cool looking pocket watches and fobs, which are what you hang on a pocket watch chain. So okay. that was actually, that was very popular. And you could pick, like it wasn't necessarily, you know, one or the other, like you picked. And wow. could you imagine what a lapel pin would look like today if they were designed? <laughs> would be, we're talking like, you know. <laughs> you would rip the stitching out of your lapel. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, the first ring that was given out because you could choose, you know, what you wanted to hand out was in 1922. And that was given out by the New York Giants. But even after that, they still went back and forth with pocket watches, pins, whatever, lapel pins. But then in 1931, the St. Louis Cardinals started a trend. They became the first team to, they, they, they became the first team to not only give out a ring, but to put their logo on it. So that was another thing too. And ever since 1931, they've been, baseball has been handing out rings. They got rid of the pocket watches, which, you know what? I really would love to see the faces of these guys if they suddenly handed out pocket watches. <laughs> right. Like take off your Apple watch guys and, gotta, uh, and attach this somewhere to your midriff. You know what? They probably wear it around their necks. You know, they probably, Right. Maybe, flavor, maybe, flavor style. Exactly. Maybe they'd actually be able to wear them. But as far as the designs of the rings, they were pretty, they were pretty basic, pretty tame stuff. Like, you know, things that you would see on your, you know, your typical graduation ring that you get from Balfour when you're in high school or college. You know, not you'll know, maybe like a, a simple diamond in the middle. As I was saying the logo was something that you would see, but they didn't really get to the point that we are at now where there are just so many gemstones on it. I would say by between 1997 with the Marlins and the 1999 Yan Yankees World Series ring, that's where you see things really turning the corner. The 1999 Yankees World Series ring, it is very much encrusted in diamonds. I believe Roger Clemens had a hand in designing it. And I remember reading back in the day a story where they were talking about it and some of the other players, I forget it was Andy Pettit or Derek Jeter were like, yeah, I don't know if I would have gone in that direction. You know, it's a little, little much for me, but now that ring is understated <laughs> by comparison of what's been going on, especially over the past decade. So over the past 10 years, it has, it is just a gemstone fest. And the other thing that's been going on too, is it's just how many gemstones you can put on this ring, but use some type of symbolism to justify all those gemstones. And I'm going to give you an example. The 2019 Nationals World Series ring. This ring has a ton going on with it. So there are 30 rubies on it, representing the number of runs they scored during the World Series. 32 sapphires that represent their seven walk-off wins, 13 shutout wins, their season-long eight-game winning streak, and their four postseason series victories. So that all adds up to the 32 sapphires that are on there. Okay, so then, this was basically an, an infographic you could wear. Yeah, it's totally an infographic <laughs> you could wear. And I want to know if somebody actually like decided they would count them and say, oh my God, I'm missing a sapphire. I only have 31. Right. Or you guys, I only stole 20 bases and there's 21 gems. It, totally. So there are also 108 diamonds on it that signify the 105 regular season and postseason wins, one World Series championship, and 
the two team names, Expos and Nationals, in the history of the franchise. So they took all that, all those disparate things, added them up so they could put 108 diamonds on there. There's also another 12 rubies on the top and bottom edges that represent the Nats' postseason win title. They just took all these stats and said, hey, if we glom them all together, we could put a lot of diamonds on this thing and a lot of sapphires and a lot of rubies. And that's not even talking about all the other stuff that's along the side. Like they, I mean, but this thing, it's a gemstone fest. On the right side, there are four diamonds to signify their previous National League East titles and a ruby for the World Series championship. But for me, the best part of this ring is on the inside where there is an engraving of the baby shark holding the World Series trophy. Wow. Do, 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 do. Yeah, sorry if I got that in your head. So yeah, that's where we're at. With it's, it. it's always been in the back of my skull, but now it's, it's moved back to it's the front. front. And that, but that's where we are with rings now. We are, we are just grasping at whatever type of stat representation that we can get to put as many gemstones on it. So I'll be really curious to see with our next World Series champions, insert name here, <laughs> what they'll do. If they're going to, because, you know, in between some of these really, really heavily um, gemstone rings, there's rings with gemstones on them. There's been, you know, a little bit of, I won't say simplicity, but I'll say there's been like a little bit of pulling back here and there. I think some of the Red Sox more recent rings weren't quite as filled with with gemstones, but they've upped the bar. And one little note, the Dodgers, their World Series ring has 222 round diamonds on it. I don't know what they signify, but there are 222 round diamonds on it. That would be the number of zip codes in the greater Los Angeles area. That makes I sense. I'm just going to go with that. You said you wanted to talk about World Series rings as well? Yeah, I just a little closure to my earlier story because Arthur Rhodes was best known for his diamond stud earrings. But in 2011, he got a guaranteed bling upgrade. He clinched a World Series victory before game one of the World Series in 2011. Good old Arthur started the season with the Texas Rangers, and he was cut by the Rangers, signed on with the Cardinals. Now, both of those teams ended up in the World Series. So Arthur was guaranteed to get a World Series ring as a player on both of those teams. Long story short, the Cardinals won, and Arthur got his ring with probably a nice red bird and 527 diamonds that represent everybody from Missouri. I don't know. The, the, the symbolism is lost on me very quickly if I have to get a microscope out to see how many gems are on the ring. Uh, there is definitely, there's a Marlins ring that if you look at it, it is, there is so many gemstones on it, but it is kind of a thing of beauty. Just, I mean, I would never want to wear it or anything, but it is, it's up there. But, you know, I feel like Miami, if you're in Miami, though, it kind of makes sense if you're, you're going to wear a, a piece of jewelry that's that blinged out. That that seems pretty much in in uh, in tune with what goes on in Miami. So that makes sense. I don't know about St. Louis. I don't know about D.C. That feels a little, you know, a little in your face. But yeah, Washington Nationals ring has quite the ring. Does it actually fit on a human finger? I mean, I know nobody wears these things because they're I, also 10 million pounds. Yes, I think, yeah, they're, they're way too heavy. I saw it on 
an athlete's finger. So that's again, not a normal human being because they tend sure. to be bigger guys. It did look, it looked enormous. It looked enormous. And I'm sure they wear it for photo ops and presentations, but I can't imagine wearing this thing out. I have seen athletes wear some of their World Series rings. I mean, I think, you know, you do see it, but we're getting to the point where these things are just going to be too difficult for anyone to actually wear as a piece of jewelry. You are going to see a story in the next five years of a pitcher that is lost for the season requiring Tommy John surgery because he was playing catch with his kid while wearing the ring. And the extra weight of the ring messed up his arm to the point where it tore a ligament or something. Well, that would be a great story because then we can get into our, our weird injuries story. Indeed. Which at some point we are going to cover the stranger injuries in baseball <laughs> as, that don't happen it. on the field. <gasps> we forgot about Jock Peterson. We can talk oh, wow. about Jock Peterson now. And are, yeah, are you up for that? So speaking of bling jacket. <laughs> We've talked a lot about old-time baseball players. And by old-time, of course, we mean Omar Vizcayal and Manny Ramirez. Obviously, the bling is is only getting hotter as we go along. We we originally were going to talk about Fernando Tatis Jr. Mm-hmm. And then no one's talking about Fernando Tatis Jr. anymore, given the, the season that the Padres have. But Well, they, they kind of circle the drain toward the end, didn't they? He has one of the biggest ropes around his neck and it's pretty spectacular. I think one, or maybe, I don't know, maybe he has more. The bling, the, the bling that's been dazzling us in the last few days is our pal, Jock Peterson, formerly of the Los Angeles Dodgers and now playing against the Dodgers as a member of the Atlanta Braves, because he is the first pro ball player, actually pro athlete. I'm just going to put that out there. And I think it's going to be true, except for maybe 19, 19- 60s LPGA players. I think he's the first pro athlete to appear in a game wearing a pearl necklace. Well, he does look great in a twin set. So I can I can see why he would go for the pearl necklace. I mean, um, it, it is white. It is noticeable. I did a double take when I saw it. I love the swagger that goes with this because when people called him out on it and they said, what are you thinking? Why are you doing this? And he said, oh, well, it's because I'm a bad bitch. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> You know what? That is debate closed. You're not going to get any further in a conversation with that guy because what are you going to do? It's like, oh, I'm not, I wouldn't go so far as to say you're a bad bitch. <laughs> I mean, you know, fair enough. I mean, he's sort of a bad bitch. Oh, you're, so you're downgrading him. Okay. I'm downgrading him. I, I don't know if he's earned his bad bitchiness quite yet, but I do give him props for wearing pearls. I, that is a bold statement. Like I said, Pete, who doesn't love a classic? I'm looking up to fact check the bad bitch statement. Mm-hmm. And his original uh, comment was, why, why are you wearing this? He said, because it's a mystery, <laughs> which again, he has really mastered the art of blocking follow-up questions. It's really, it's an, an excellent job. So the first thing he said was, it's a mystery. A couple of days later, he said there was no origin story to share, but he said he was a bad bitch. Okay, that's fair. In fairness to any player, when you listen to those pre- press conferences, those post-game press conferences, they are painful. Half the time, the questions aren't even questions, they're just statements. The most important thing that they want to discuss is Chuck Peterson's necklace during the playoffs. You know, he's allowed to be salty. 
Yeah, there was some speculation that maybe he'd gotten from his mom or his grandma. A reporter named Kelly Price has asked him, because of course this is absolutely the thing that people need to spend their postseason working on. Jock Peterson did give a little bit more of an origin, which of course now just takes all the magic out of it. He said, I saw some and I thought they looked cooler than the black or gold chains. So I texted my jeweler, got some, and it kind of took off. You but know I, what? I love that he he has I a like texting it. relationship with his jeweler. So oh, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised that these guys have texting relationships with their jewelers. I like that he's daring to be different. I appreciate that. And now next season, everyone's going to be wearing them. Most likely because he's getting results. Exactly. Jackie, thanks for talking about good old Jock Peterson. And may I be the first to wish you a happy Jocktober? Uh, it is Jocktober. Of course, when this is released, Jocktober will be over. You can always celebrate. That's true. Every day is Jocktober if you're a Jock Peterson fan. I was going to say all five of them, but I think after after this month, he's uh, he's exponentially increasing the fan base. For sure. I mean, he's won me over. So good for so him. Go Jock. We're coming down to the final out. I know we've both got a couple things we want to talk about. My dream bling is very simple. It's very, it's understated. I know, like I said, I'm saving up for the ice grills and I think probably in the next 30 years, I should have enough money to get at least one tooth diamond encrusted the way that I want. And maybe you can help me pick out the symbolism for what the gems would say every time I smile and that tooth pops out. Uh, I'd be happy to to help you with any type of symbolism. We yeah, and the tooth, I think the tooth will pop out. It needs to be detachable to be able to show off at, at well, the right time. So you want well, a closer yeah. look? These five diamonds represent all of the pizzas that I ate last night. Now, my dream bling is very simple, very modest. It is called the Croix de Candlestick. It is an award pin given to fans. And honestly, fans deserve bling too, right? The only way you could get this pin was that if you went to an extra innings night game at Candlestick Park, the the old home of the San Francisco Giants, because Candlestick was notorious for being a frigid place to watch a baseball game at night, even in the summer. All you had to do to get the pin was to attend a game that went into extra innings, you turn in your ticket stub at the end, and you get you get the pin, and it was a badge of honor. Carried the motto, Veni Vidi Vixi. That's easy for you to say. Yeah, my Latin is is rock steady. I came, I saw, I survived. The first quad of candlestick was issued in 1983. Candlestick closed down in 1999. There weren't a whole lot of opportunities for these pins to be handed out. Friends of mine from San Francisco that that have one, that is one of their most cherished possessions because they got out of there alive. <laughs> I mean, I've heard stories. I've been at, what is the name of the San Francisco ballpark these days? Oracle Park. Oracle Park. Thank you. Can't keep up. It was pretty cold in summertime. And now they have a, you can go in and you can be be behind a glass enclosure. I cannot imagine, but I've heard some of the older players during broadcast tell stories and it sounds pretty bad. I don't know if I could have done it. I mean... I'm too much of a wuss. Probably wouldn't have gotten a pin. Yeah, I think I would have brought a flask. And most of my Giants friends did say that they, in fact, packed packed appropriately. 
brought a little brandy or a little brown liquor to keep them warm. But yeah, it if it was 45 degrees pre-wind chill in the summertime, just imagine what April baseball would have been like out there. I can cannot even imagine because I do know it was windy and cold. And that combination of cold and wind, that's I couldn't have done it. There is not enough whiskey out there. No, that that starts to mess with your bone marrow. It that really is, does. That is, that is a, a special kind of ice and, and not the blingy ice, just the I'm dead ice. <laughs> the dead ice. Yep. That shuts off your your pilot light. I know you said you, you you got into thinking, which is always a scary term when either of us says that. Digging up all this stuff about the, the World Series rings mm-hmm. from days gone by has led you to think about some other forks in the road. It does. What, I, might, I, what, what might have happened? What, what might have been. And it's not so much the World Series. We were talking about Manny Ramirez, the losing his earring and and the announcer is saying, oh, I can't imagine, like, what would the old timers say? started thinking, well, what would some of those old timers wear around their necks if they played now? Because let's face it, they would have had a lot of money and the styles are very different now. Men men wear jewelry and they wear big old jewelry and men wore jewelry then too. I knew plenty of them with big old pinky rings. So I started thinking, well, what would some of the old timers wear on the field? I immediately thought of Mickey Mantle and I, I just thought the Mick, he would have he would have leaned into it, don't you think? Like he would have leaned into wearing jewelry. He wouldn't have been the first. No. But as soon as he saw somebody else, especially somebody that he was in competition with, like say Hank Aaron, maybe going for a batting title, he would have then said, "Oh yeah, I've always done this, and I did it better." Of course. And for him, I I picture him wearing like a diamond encrusted seven. I just feel like the Mick was kind of you know. Okay. He, a little bit egotistical, even if he was a little bit aw shucks, I could have seen him wearing a diamond encrusted seven, probably not as huge as say something that Fernando Tatis Jr. wears, but I, I could see that. I could see him, that would kind of be his thing, you know, a diamond yeah. encrusted seven. Another one I was thinking about going further back, Ty Cobb. Now Ty Cobb, he was from Georgia and I think he was known as the, they would call him like the peach or the Georgia peach. So I figured that's what he yeah. would wear around his neck. He would wear a diamond encrusted, of course, because everything's got to be diamond encrusted or actually probably not diamond encrusted. I'm going to go with just a nice solid gold peach that he would wear around his neck. I did not delve into this challenge. I know this is something that you, you've feverishly been working on this week, but I was actually thinking of Ty Cobb and I'm just going to nominate. I like the idea of the diamond encrusted peach, but I think he might actually go for a diamond encrusted set of brass knuckles. Yes. Yes. I I could, I definitely think that (laughs) that would have been more his speed. I like that you, where you're going with all of this though, because essentially you're playing dress up with all of these sons of guns. Totally. I mean, you know, these guys had egos and I feel like if they were, you know, this was the aesthetic, but the one that kind of tripped me up, and so I want you to help me out here, is I was thinking about Bob Gibson. Now, Bob Gibson, he was a tough dude. But, yeah. But what would he have worn? And he was he was a pitcher, so maybe he'd want to keep it a little, something that wasn't uh, going to get too much in the way. I I can see Bob Gibson going going the ruby route, respecting the, the Cardinals, because he yeah. was definitely a, a beloved in St. Louis fella. And so I, I think that, so something red. I could see a bracelet that he's got on, like uh, one of those sort of copper detachable bracelet things. Not super flashy, but 
gets the job done and he could take it off when he's pitching. That's true. That's true. Because I think he was also a practical kind of guy too. Exactly. Very practical. Speaking of which, what about Ted Williams? I mean, Ted Williams was, he was, you know, he, he was a, he was a veteran. He was, he had been a pilot. I mean, he was the epitome of a hitter. I'm trying to think of what, what would he have worn? Would he have just gone with like, you know, a nice Figaro chain or would he have had, what symbolism would he have had around his neck? Well, I think it would be something that can stand the cold. <laughs> I was gonna, I was actually going to say, if he still had a neck, oh, Ted. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think a, a necklace with kind of sharp edges that uh, <laughs> oh. could could activate the decapitation in, in a pinch. Uh, or or maybe it would be a necklace earring combination that were magnetized to actually help keep his head on his shoulders. <laughs> Poor Ted Williams. Poor Ted Williams. I really just not the way a legend like that should should go. And when you talk about Ted Williams, also need to th- thinking about Joe DiMaggio and Joe DiMaggio. Every, uh, he was warm and fuzzy. I mean, everybody loved him. I figured Joe probably wouldn't wear anything too ostentatious. But back in the day, you wouldn't wear a wedding band. You can't really wear a wedding band on the field. But now they have those kind of rubbery wedding bands that that, that guys wear. I feel like that would have been his thing. You know, maybe it would have said Norma Jean on it, just so people know. Right, and then it would have. 15 diamonds representing the 15 movies she made while they were together. Exactly. Don't fact check me on this. I have no idea how many movies Marilyn Monroe made. I have no idea. No idea. I don't know if there were 50 might be a good, good guess, but, but I'll look it up anyway. So that's, that just got me thinking. So those, those were, I thought of some of the, some of the, the bigger guys and what they might be, what they might be wearing, but you know, let it, let us know. What do you think? What do you think some of the old timers would have worn? Like I would, I, someone who knows more about jewelry than the two of us. What do you, what do you think someone, what Roger Maris or Dizzy Dean would have worn out on the field if uh, jewelry had been a thing back when they played? Well, yeah. Or I kind of thinking about the Negro leagues and some of these guys that had a great deal of style and were hardly making any money. I'd kind of like to know how cool Papa Bell would have been blinged out. Oh, cool Papa Bell. He would have brought it. I mean, cool Papa Bell. He was a stylish dude. So, yeah. I'm thinking for him, it might just be one big rock. And, <laughs> and not, none of those 360 diamond encrusted whatevers. He's like, nope, you see the big one. It's right here. That's right. That's right. Wow. Well, this was sparkly. It was. All that glitters is not always gold, but we hope you enjoyed our foray into jewelry. Well, the fans are heading home and the grounds crew is on the field. We will see you next time at the ballpark. You're listening to the sounds of Ron Lewis on the organ. I'm Mark Butler. And I'm Jackie Mikucci. And this was Bad Hops. Any rebroadcast, retransmission, or account of this podcast without the express written consent of Bad Hops is prohibited. Unless you like us, review us, or subscribe to Bad Hops. Find us at, at Bad Hops Podcast on Instagram and all of the socials and badhopspodcast at gmail.com. See you next time. Bye.